How many of you know that he is too good not to believe? Has he done anything for you? Has he ever touched your life? Has he ever touched your heart? Have you ever seen him reach out and do the impossible? Have you ever found yourself with your back against the wall and feel like, man, I've got no way out, and then all of a sudden he shows up and that changes everything? I'm not talking about a God that we serve ritualistically. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with a God that is alive and well, and he's here today. Somebody stretch your hands to heaven and say, I believe, God. I believe God. I wonder today if you've got a need in this house. I wonder if there's something that you need God to do. I wonder if you've ever witnessed his miracle working presence. If you've ever seen him touch you or touch somebody in a way that was unexplainable that they could not qualify it. They couldn't figure it out and they just were left scratching their heads saying, I just don't know. I, I, I don't, it was there, but now it's gone. It was, it was you know, it, it was a reality, but now it's history. How many of you know that he delights to do that? I said he delights to do that. I think sometimes when it comes to our ability to share with God, we get, or to share about God with someone, we get unnecessarily nervous and afraid. What if they, oh, by the way, the message today is why we witness. Everybody say, why we witness. We've talked about why we believe. We've talked about why we worship. But I want to talk to you today about why we witness. We witness because of a reality of what we've experienced. You can't witness something you haven't experienced. You can't witness something that, isn't, that, that hasn't happened to you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And Peter, he, said, he tells us, he says that we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So if you've never witnessed his majesty, then you can't tell about it. But how many of you in here have ever witnessed it? Raise your hand. If you've ever personally witnessed it, hold that hand up. The majesty of God touched you or touched someone else you know, and you were a witness to it. Well, then we ought to tell it, don't you think? We ought to share it. But what happens is we tend to sit on it. I thought about Dean last week when he came up, man, his, if you could have seen him in the back, in the babstery, getting ready to come in the babstery, his face was so lit up, and it wasn't stressing him out at all that we were running around trying to make sure, is, is, the, is the video up? Is, the, is, it, is it working? He's just up there praising God. He's just up there excited about what God had done for him. When's the last time you really got excited about what God has done for you? There's some of you in here that'd be in the grave right now if it hadn't been for the hand of God. Some of you that would be in a mental institution if it hadn't been for the hand of God. 
Don't sell God short. Don't all of a sudden disqualify him and put him off and feel like, well, you know, I, I, I can't really, you know, I, I'm afraid they won't receive it. But what if they do? What if they would receive it and the fact is you just wouldn't tell it? What if they would have accepted but you didn't share it? Everybody say a window. We've been given a window of opportunity. You know, there are windows of opportunity that exist in all, all different types of walks of life. There's sometimes that you have a window of opportunity in the stock market. There's sometimes that you have a window of opportunity with a job offer. There's sometimes that you have a window of opportunity in a nation. Back in 1991, when I first started going into Russia, I remember telling everybody this window's not going to stay open forever. But we've got to do all we can while we can because the door will end up closing. The window will shut. And we've seen it happen. How many of you know that God is still able to open windows? <laughs> that, that God can do what no one else can do. He's able to open a window for you, but you've got to be willing to say, God, here I am, and I need you. How many of you need him today to do something for you? I'm, I'm going to do something a little bit different than I do on Sunday morning. Would you just hang out here with me for a second? When James started singing that song, and I started thinking about everything that... I've witnessed God do over years of traveling. Places that I went into and it seemed like it was completely shut down. And yet I, when I looked to God for that window, he was faithful to always open it. We were talking about Russia and a town in Russia that didn't want me to be there. That when I walked in to the meeting, the pastor made the statement, Columbus discovered America, so it's his fault they're here. And I remember feeling that you're not wanted. You ever been there? See, there's something you need to recognize, and that's if nobody else wants you, God still wants you. When everybody else rejects you, God still has his hand open for you. So you can't try and find your worth in other people's eyes. You've got to look to God. 
And when you look to God, he can do anything. And I remember when I heard that, and I remember praying and saying, God, man, I was crying out to God. I said, God, if you don't show up in this place today, nothing's going to happen in here. I said, God, I need you to show up. And sometimes you just got to close your eyes to everything that's around you. And when I closed my eyes and I started sharing and started talking, when I opened my eyes back up, I saw that whole room crying, uh, worshiping God and coming to an altar for God to touch them. You need to hear what I'm saying. God has given you the power to be a witness, but you've got to stir up the gift that's inside of you. Sometimes when you feel like nothing is there and you don't realize what's there because you've let it die down and you need to stir it up. I remember, man, I, I had a fire out back, a property I lived on one time, and, and it, it had died. Just a bunch of smoke. I found out why they say where there's smoke, there's fire. <laughs> just a bunch of smoke. And I thought, man, this thing, there's just no fire in here at all. Can't get this thing started. And I took some gasoline and... fire shut up in my bones <laughs> what are you saying I'm saying sometimes the reason we feel like we're smoldering the reason we feel like we're just kind of at a standstill is because we're not giving fuel to the fire we're setting in the ash of yesterday's we're setting in the ash of yesterday's promises we're setting in the ash of what happened years ago he's not the scripture said that he's the same yesterday today and forever so if he did it yesterday he can do it today and he can do it tomorrow we just have to believe somebody say witness it have you ever witnessed something that you couldn't wait to tell somebody about you know what I'm talking about just what well, I want you to think right now what it is you saw that you couldn't wait to tell somebody about. And when I count three, shout it out. Are you ready? One, two, three. Apparently, you weren't all that excited about what you were witnessing about. <laughs> What's your point? My point, you know, sometimes we get excited to share bad news. I've, I've had people call me to tell me about a horrible accident they just saw. You, 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 man, you're not going to believe what I just saw. They just, they go, pow, and it's, uh. I've had people call to tell me about, they, they, it, they seemed excited about what happened to somebody. I knew it was going to happen. Sooner or later, I knew, I knew. We get excited about witnessing about the wrong things. How many of you have ever gotten excited about witnessing about how, how bad gas prices are right now? Man, I've watched some of you. I've watched me. Sometimes I feel like I got anointed. <laughs> Can you believe? Look what that's costing. Go into the grocery store. And you get excited about witnessing about what's going on in the grocery store. Can you believe the price 
of meat right now? Do you know what? When I was in high school, I can pull up my old yearbook, and I wrote down in my yearbook, gasoline has gone berserk. It's 89 cents a gallon. God is my witness. It's in my yearbook. It is, it's gone berserk. It's 89 cents a gallon. I had a guy I was filling up, man, and I was upset about 89 cents a gallon. He looked at me and he said, they say it'll be a dollar before summer. I looked at him through my head back and I said, I'll walk. <laughs> you can laugh if you want to, but I did walk. I walked, got in my car and drove to the gas station. What is it that drives us? What is it that we're passionate about? What is it that really moves us to become a witness? You said, well, why, why should we even witness? How about this for a starter? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, no, no. See, what we do is we've been in church song, and sometimes we blow that off like that's no big deal. Do you understand? It's a big deal to God. It was a big deal to Jesus, and it ought to be a big deal to us. Because we've heard that scripture so many times, it becomes passe to us, and we don't embrace it like we, but let me tell you, if you hear it for the first time, it'll rock your world. When you didn't know God, when you haven't heard anything about God, and all of a sudden somebody tells you that Jesus died for you, are you kidding me? Died for me? I've had some folks that wanted to take me out. I've had some people that wanted to kill me. But no one that ever wanted to die for me. That's the reality of why we witness. Somebody say it with me. That's why I do it. I do it because he loves. Everybody say it again. He loves. Well, I mean, that's great that he did that, but I really didn't need it. Yeah, say that. Yeah, really? How many of you have ever seen that before? Man, I can't tell you the number of people I've, I've talked to, and they said, well, you know, Rick, I'm a good guy. Said, I mean, I, I, don't, I ain't never, I, I, this is a true story. I had somebody tell me, said, I'm a good guy. I ain't never killed nobody. That's what they said. They said, when I get to heaven, I'm telling you a literal story that happened to me. They said, when I get to heaven, he said, I figure that God's going to look at me and say, well, you know, you didn't really do what you should have done, but you're really not that bad of a guy, so come on in. <laughs> Hold the bus. What are you saying? I'm saying that is a perverted witness. That is a misunderstanding of Scripture. I have heard so many people make the statement, well, I believe this, and I believe that. Well, I just feel like, don't get upset with me, but it doesn't matter what you feel like. It doesn't matter if I say, well, I believe this or I believe that. Can I tell you what matters? It's what says the Lord. It's what's written in this book. I'm not going to be judged according to what you believe. I'm going to be judged according to what is written. And he told me that no man can get to the Father except through him. I can't get there on my own merit, on my own worth, on my own works. 
The Bible said, for all have sinned. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, that's talking about you. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned. They nailed you. They got you down. Isn't it amazing how we're always able to detect what's wrong with our neighbor? Any of you have any problems knowing what your problem is? Just make an appointment and I'll tell you. Isn't that, isn't that how it happens? We can all point out what's wrong with our neighbor. But according to Scripture, we all got problems. Somebody say it with me. We all sinned. So if we all sinned, doesn't it stand to reason that we all need a Savior? I can't get there any other way. I've got to have him. You say, well, how do you know that he even cares about us? Look at Romans 5. It says, while we were still helpless, powerless to provide for our salvation, at the right time, Christ died as a substitute for the ungodly. Now, it's an extraordinary thing for one to willingly give his life, even for an upright man. Though perhaps for a good man, one who is noble and selfless and worthy, someone might even dare to die. But God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ no, no, I really want you to get this. He didn't die for me because I was so good. He died for me because I was so bad. Can I take you on a journey today in a place outside of a city where Jesus was walking out of? And there's a crowd of people that have gathered around him. And then all of a sudden from the outskirts of that city, there came one man screaming out, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean. And everybody in that crowd went running the other way. He was a leper. It was a man that was possessed with something that was eating him alive. He had a death sentence on his life. And there was only one person in the crowd that day that refused to run away from him. And that was Jesus. And can I tell you, out of that whole multitude of people, it wasn't what was right with him that brought Christ to him. It was what was wrong with him that brought Christ to him. That, my friend, is something to get excited about. It was what was wrong with him. And he looked at him and he said, if you will. He didn't question his ability. He just questioned his own worth. I know you can. But man, I've been told that I'm not worth it. I just don't know if you will. Jesus did something unique there that day. He walked up to that man. And before he ever said, I will, he touched him. Come here a minute, Daryl, would you? He 
touched him. He reached out to an individual that others had pushed away. He reached out to someone who had been pushed outside of the city and told that they could not enter in. He reached out to someone that could not go anywhere without letting everybody know what was wrong with him. I am unclean. I wonder how long it had been since he'd felt the touch. I wonder how long it had been since he'd held his wife's hand or held his boy in his arms, had loved his daughter, his mother. You know what it's like to be isolated and alone? That when everybody sees you, they walk the other way. Jesus knew that that man needed more than a healing touch in his body. He needed someone to touch his heart. He needed someone to let him know you are worth something. You are valuable. You are important. And so he touched him. And with that embrace, that man felt loads lift off of him that leprosy could hold no candle to. And then he said, I will. And that man walked away from their hole. Thank you, brother. Walked away from their hole. How about it? You ever you said, well, what's the leper got to do with me? A whole lot. Unclean, unclean, I'm unclean, for all have sinned. Unclean, unclean, a death sentence on my life, for the wages of sin is death. And everybody ran, and everybody looked the other way, except Jesus. You know what always blew my mind? Maybe that's not a good term to use. You know what always amazed me? Was that when he touched these people, then he'd tell them, now you make sure you don't go tell anybody. You make sure you don't tell anybody that you're not a leper anymore. You let them believe you're still unclean. You make sure you don't tell anybody that you, you, that you were blind, but now you can see. Don't you whisper anything about that. Don't you tell anybody that, you know, that you, was, you, you, that you was tormented and you used to hang out in graves and cut yourselves in chains and couldn't hold you. Don't you tell anybody that you were out of your mind and, and now you're not. Now you're whole. Why do I witness because I can't help it. <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help but tell about what he's done for me. I can't help but tell about what he's done for you. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you want to see my wife get excited? Let somebody get saved. And you know what our conversation at home is about a lot of times? Can you believe what's going on, man, at the church? Can you believe what God has done for Caleb? Can you believe what God has done for Santana? Can you believe how God's touched Kelsey and Becca? Can you believe what God is doing in Daryl's life? Can you believe that, that, that this guy a few years ago, man, was, was just uh, addicted? And, he, and, and now he's telling others about what God...
God has done. Oh, come on, somebody uh, hear what I'm saying today. Uh, don't you come in this house and sit in here uh, calm, cool, and collected uh, when you know uh, what God uh, has done for you. Uh, he's a mighty God. Uh, he's a big God, uh, and he's worthy. You know what happens? You know what happens? We want to keep our composure. I never forget you can be seated. I ain't done yet. <laughs> I'm getting there. We want to keep our composure. We don't want anybody. I never forget, man. I, I the, the old church that we went to. My brother Paul came to preach for us one time. Now, Paul, you had to know my brother Paul. He's a big guy, and Paul sounded like a freight train when he'd start feeling God. He'd get up and he'd go, "Woo!" Oh man, I watched him one night. He had a tambourine in his hand. God is my witness. He had a tambourine in his hand. I, I was, I, at that time, I was a spectator. I, I just went and checked it out. I went because we were going to McDonald's after church. I'm telling you the truth. At least I'm, I'm honest about it. I went because there was a Big Mac, fries, and a chocolate shake waiting on me. We're in a service, and God starts moving, man. And we got all these people, you know, that have come, and, and there's a lady, and, I, and I'm watching. I know who's in the spirit and who ain't. Piano player wasn't in the spirit. She's laying over. She was, she, honest to goodness, man, I'm watching. She's over the keyboard like this with her head down. She just, I don't know if she's tired or. You know, what was going on? But she just laid down like that, and all of a sudden, here come the train. Paul had a tambourine in his hand. He went, woo, woo, woo. Man, he threw that tambourine across the room. I watched it hit the piano player in the back, and she got busy on that keyboard. Sometimes you just need to be shook up. Sometimes you need a train to come through the middle of your life to get you to realize how good God has been. It's what happened to Dean. Train came through. <laughs> Ain't that right? How many of you know we all been called to be engineers? There's a train called Debbie. Pulled into the station, and he had a head-on. We are all called to witness. Oh, I can't witness. They don't allow it. <laughs> I was, the plant I was working at, they came out to me, and they said, hey, it came from the plant manager. All this talk about God is going to stop out here. I smiled at him, and I said, you go back in and tell the plant manager he can have my job, but he can't have my testimony. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not shutting down. I'm not shutting up. If there's something that needs to be talked about, it's God. Now, don't misunderstand. I was not allowing my testifying to others to interfere with my work. It was being done. But what was happening are folks that he was leaning on that had been corrupt we're getting saved. <laughs> it was starting to change the atmosphere in the plant. How many of you know that God has called you to be a thermostat and not a thermometer? A thermometer just measures how 
cold or hot it is in the room, a thermostat changes the temperature in the room. You ever go into a room where everybody kind of, you know, Debbie, when she goes into a room, she immediately, she doesn't ask you if you're comfortable the way you are. She doesn't go into a room and say, is everybody okay in here? I just want to check. She's going to go into a room and change the temperature. Every time she comes into the office, you ask the ladies to work here. Every time she comes in the office, hello, everyone. <laughs> That's her, man. You think I'm messing with you. That's her. I know when she's here because I hear her whistling on her way in. I can't, I, you know. She's, she's whistling on her way in. I thought, well, Debbie's in the building. And then when she walks in, hey, hey, everybody, hey. Now, I would think that was fake, except I live with her, so I know it ain't. <laughs> that's, just, that's just the way it is. What are you getting at? I'm getting at that if God has done something for you, it ought to excite you enough to witness. Everybody say, now, I've had some folks witness to me. Praise God, brother. You need to come and be with us in service because it's exciting. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, why would I? You, if, you, if you go to my church, you can have what I got. <laughs> That's exactly why I'm not there. I don't want what you got. I want something alive. I want something real. I'm not talking about fake and phony. I'm not talking about fluff and stuff. I'm talking about a God that can reach into a man's life that was in prison and set him free, not just out of the jail, but out of everything that was in him and turn his life around. Somebody say it with me. I can't help it. Well, I sure can't help it now. Oh, there it is. Everybody, I, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Everybody say, praise God. We witness because people need to be saved. How many do you know right now that, that you've got someone in your life that's not saved? Raise your hand. If, if, you, if you work with them, it may be a relative. They're not saved. Hold it up a second. I just want to see. See, here's the problem. If your hand isn't up, you're hanging around too many saved people. What are you talking about? Jesus made a statement, and he said, those that are whole don't need a physician. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you believe that what God gave you is powerful enough to set somebody else free. Okay. All right, now we've established that. Now I'm wrapping this up. That what God gave you is powerful enough to set someone else free. Now let's go back to the question, how many of you know someone you know personally that is not saved, and if they die today, unless something happened last night, that they're not going to make heaven? Hold your hand up. Hold it up high. Hold it up. Keep it up for a second. All right, here it comes. What are you going to do to make sure that they don't wind up in hell? Oh, now it just got serious. 
See, we could shout and we could about what God has done for us, but if you keep that to yourself, can I tell you, you don't have a right to be silent. You don't have a right to remain with your lips sealed and your mouth shut. You don't have that right. In this nation, if you witness murder, you do not, under law and a penalty of law, you do not have a right to remain silent. You're supposed to tell what you saw, what you witnessed. Can I tell you that they took him to Calvary over 2,000 years ago and they crucified him, they murdered him, but I witnessed On the third day, a grave was empty. He's alive and he's well. How could you witness that? Because he lives inside of me. He's alive in me. You don't have a right to be silent. In the book of Deuteronomy, the 21st chapter, under the law, if a person was found dead in a field, The elders of the city had to go out to where that body was and the elders had to measure to every town where that body was found dead. And whichever town that body was the closest to, that town bared the responsibility of that man's soul. So the elders had to go out and they had to offer a sacrifice. They washed their hands over that sacrifice and they prayed to God and they said, God, don't let this innocent man's blood be held on our hands because we didn't hear him cry out. We didn't know he was in trouble. If I had known, I would have said something. You just raised your hand and told me that you know somebody's in trouble. You don't have a right to remain silent. You gotta tell them. Somebody shouted with me, tell them. Well, I'm afraid to. What if they don't receive me? What if they do? Are you really that fragile that if somebody rejects you, you're going to fall apart? I was rejected long before I ever started living for God. You think I'm going to let the devil play some kind of guilt trip on me and keep me from telling others about God? I'm going to tell him everywhere I'm at. Somebody say, tell him. Tell him what he's done for you. Let me end with this today. If if what God has done in you is real, then you can feel it, right? Right? I mean, you know, how many times have you heard me say from this pulpit when somebody falls and hits the floor or, or, you know, or somebody all of a sudden starts, you know, Wow! How many times have you heard me say that the Bible said that no man can see God and live? So if that same God touches you, something is going to happen. You can't, it blows my mind that people, do, do you <laughs> I've had folks that left the church because people were hitting the floor. I had people come up to me and tell me, if one more person hits the floor, I'm going to leave. I didn't say what I was thinking. I started to say, don't let the door hit you on your way out. But I didn't. I was kind. But let me share something with you. I remember being in a service, and then all of a sudden the presence of God moving, and I remember the devil trying to, 
you better not put your hands on them because if they hit the floor, those people are gone. And I remember the Holy Spirit welling up inside me and saying, I don't care. I don't care. Because if I can't let be God be God in me, if I can't testify and witness to what he's done for me, if I can't stand in this pulpit and declare the power of God and the goodness of God and the reality of God, then I need to go ahead and pack up and leave. Can I tell you, he's real, he's alive, and he can take care of whatever situation you got going on in your life. Stir up the gift that's inside of you. Stir it up. Do you ever see a mama get stirred up? How many of you know that being a mama is a gift from God? Not everybody can be a mama. You, you know, people can have babies, so that don't make you mama. There's a gift of being a mama. And I've watched that gift get stirred up. Somebody take your child aside and start trying to correct them and break them down in tears without you being there, without your presence, without your input. And Debbie's getting mad just thinking about it. Really? You know what I'm talking about? Stir up the gift that's inside of you. I remember as a father, you mamas don't have a patent on this. I remember as a father, my son coming back from Little League practice, and he was 13 years old or 12 years old. I think maybe 11. He was young. Came back from Little League practice. They were over there, and he's got tears man streaming down his face. I said, son, what's wrong? He said, so-and-so hit me. I said, what did the coach do? He said, he didn't do anything. I went walking over to where practice was. I'm a preacher. (laughs) I walk in the authority. I carry an ax and 238s. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) I I walked up to where he was And I said, is there a problem over here? And that man looked at me, and he took a step back from me. He said, well, apparently there is. (laughs) I didn't know what I looked like. I just knew that I was upset, and I, I explained to him. I said, I've taught my son not to fight. I said, but when you allow someone to hit him, and there's nothing done about it, and I said, then I'm going to instruct him that he has a right to fight back. And, he, and, and so he took control of the situation. What are you saying? I'm saying how many times do we let the devil waltz into our families and just begin to knock our families around and we just sit there and take it? You've got to stir up the gift that's inside of you. Do you know what God did when all of a sudden, man, Jesus testifies to the fact. He talks about it. He looks up. Do you understand that the devil is trying to overthrow heaven, that he takes a third of the angels and and he's 
trying to stage a coup, and Jesus testifies to it when he said, and I saw God stand, he said, and I saw him take and cast Satan out of heaven. Man, like a lightning bolt. He takes him and throws him out. You need to understand that God is trying to stir something up in you, that you refuse to allow one more person to slip away without you telling them about a God that loves them, about a God that cares, and about a God that's able. Would you stand with me today? Somebody say it with me. I got to tell it. You know, when we say we, any of you ever have been gay rubbed on you? Hold your hand up if you've ever had been gay on you. How many, he say, Pastor, you just pull these crazy things out of nowhere. I'm going someplace with this. Have you ever had been gay rubbed on you when you were hot and sweating? I have. I was a young boy and I'd been playing outside and I had like a pulled muscle or an ache in my back. I was sweating to beat the band and my dad got out some Bengay and started rubbing on me. I want you to know that all of a sudden I had fire shut up in my bones. Man, I started screaming and yelling, and Dad said, what's wrong? I said, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. Dad ran. We didn't have running water at my grandma's house. Dad's running and getting a pitcher, dipping it, throwing it up on my back, trying to put the fire out. What happened? I'd, all my pores were open. And so when he put that Bengay on, it just soaked up. You say, well, what's that got to do with anything? I'm talking about I can't help but tell about it. Look at Jeremiah 20 and verse 9. This is Jeremiah speaking. He said, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am wore out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Somebody say, I got to tell him. No, come one more time. I got to tell him. No, see, my, my job today is to rub Bengay on you. I want there to be a fire that is shut up in your bones to the point that you've got to tell it. Somebody say it one more time. I've got to tell it. I'm going to end with this. Peter and John have prayed for a man, and he's lame and he walks. They bring them in to question them. And this is what the Pharisees or the religious council determined about them. That they were ignorant, ignorant and unlearned men. He said, but they noted they'd been in the presence of Jesus. <laughs> Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how ignorant people think you are or how unlearned they think you are. When you've been in the presence of Jesus, they're going to know it. <laughs> they're going to know it. And he said, well, they said, well, what, can, what should we do? I mean, because what happens real, man, there's been a miracle that's been performed here. And so they brought them in and they charged them. They said, now, don't you go around teaching or preaching in this name anymore. Don't you do it. 
I can't help but think that Peter smiles real big and looks at him. And he said, if you think that we ought to obey God rather than, I mean, if you think we ought to obey you rather than God, you out of your mind. <laughs> you flipped your wig. What's he saying? He's saying, man, there is no way in the world that I am going to be intimidated to being silent. Somebody say it with me. You don't have a right to be silent. So this is what I want to do today. If you're in this house and you say, I want God to use me. There's something else you probably ought to know at this point. If, if you are silent, you're going to pay a price for it. Jesus made the statement, he said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. Somebody shouted out, I'm not ashamed. Paul said it, I'm not ashamed of this gospel because it's the power of God to salvation. I am not ashamed. So if you're ready to take it to the next level, if you're ready to turn it up, I want you to step up right now out of where you're at. Come on, real quick, real quick. I'm not going to hold you long here. <laughs> Witness. Hey, bring Erlene up here a second, would you? You say, well, what, what, are you, what are you having her come up for? Well, we were in a meeting. I, I don't remember how many weeks ago it's been. And she had, what was it that was wrong? At that time, it was a, a lump. And, and all of a sudden, man, the Spirit of God was moving. Debbie prayed for her. And all of a sudden, it was gone. Somebody say, it was gone. <laughs> That's a witness. That's a witness. Doctor, she went to the doctor. Doctor came back and said, I, it ain't there, man. I don't know where it's at. You know? How many of you know that God can do the impossible? So this is what I want you to do. I, how many of you have witnessed God do the impossible? Just hold your hand up if you've witnessed it. Keep that same hand up now. Stretch it toward Erlene. Because she needs God to do the impossible again. She needs God to heal the, her heart. Chambers in her heart. Every, God knows everything that's going on in her. David prayed the prayer and he said, God create within me a new heart. Somebody say, God's able. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Father, that you do it. We witness We praise you for it right now. Come on and give my hand clap of praise. We praise you for it now. We praise you for it now. Are, are you ready for this? Now, let's check out God's math table. He talks about that one can put a thousand and two ten thousand. Reach out and grab your neighbor's hand and say, I sure need you. Because <laughs> you see, the battle I'm engaged in, this isn't about just a hundred or a thousand. We're talking about hundreds of thousands. Ten, tens of millions of souls that need to be saved. Somebody say, God can do it. 
Some of, say it with me one more time. God can do it. Hey, I don't, hold, hold it just a second. I don't know who you are. I just feel something right now as you keep your hands stretched to heaven. Look, I, I know that in, in I, this, let me, I'm just going to give to you what I see. In your family, it's like I've seen a, a, a cloud that tried to roll in and there are things that you've been facing that have been difficult to navigate. But you're here today, not by chance. God is going to give you clear direction. He's going to show you what you need to do. Do you believe that he's able to do that? As you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Come on, just hold your hands up to heaven with me right now. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, for what you're doing right now. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness of the with me right Jesus now. for my I want to spend every day I live doing my best to upset him. I, I want him to understand after everything that he did to me, uh, God did something for me uh, and changed me. Uh, and I want everybody to know about it. You got that hand. Say this with me. God, you're going to use us to tell the world. You're going to use us to declare your goodness, your grace, your power, and your love. Today, chains are breaking. Today, bondage is being destroyed. Today, the captive is being set free. Now raise your hands to heaven and begin to glorify for a second. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. If you're in here today and you've got a need, I want you to come and stand here right now. Just very quickly, ushers will... We'll uh, work with me on this just very quickly. If you've got a need, I want you to come and stand with me. Now, I know you say, well, pastor, we've all got needs. I'm talking, don't come up here and stand with an empty head. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is target something. Target what it is you need God to do. As you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now, say, I believe he's able. I God in your name. Come on, stretch those hands to heaven. I believe he's able. Matter of fact, you could receive whatever you need right where you're at. If you can connect in faith and say, I believe he's able. Jan, you believe he's able, don't you? I've heard you say it over and over. 
God is able. You've stood up and declared it when others were saying, well, I'm not, you know, just. Shout Jesus right in the name of Jesus. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name. Nobody can tell. Go ahead and find somebody and say it. Nobody can tell like I can tell what he's done for me. And I'm going to tell it. Everywhere I go, to everyone I know, and a few I don't know, I'm going to tell it. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this house. God bless you. We love you.
me have your attention just a second. Wherever you're at right now, we want to bring James and Rebecca up here. Rebecca, come on up. This is James' last Sunday with us. He and Rebecca are being married next week. Give them a big hand. But now, remember, we talked about witnessing, that we have to share and we have to, we have to, the book of Acts told us to go in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. So we have to be willing to dispatch. They don't get to go to Tennessee and just live. They have to witness. Everybody say witness. So we're praying that the power of God will bless them, overshadow them, and cause them to be an extraordinary witness of his love and grace. Father, we pray, God, for Rebecca and James today. Ask your hand on their life, Lord, that you'll direct them, Father, and guide them. That by divine inspiration, heavenly nudges, God, that you'll move them in the right direction that you've prepared for them. And God, that they'll see many souls come to you because of their witness. In Jesus' name, amen. Make sure to greet them. Love you. Bless you.